Hey folks, my name is Ike Morgan and we are down in Alabama. Now, we're literally down in Alabama covering as much news as we can from Lookout Mountain to Mobile Bay. And Down in Alabama is also the name of our show. We spend about three to five minutes daily going over a handful of news and culture stories that are a mix of the top stories and maybe the most overlooked stories and sometimes just the most Alabama stories of the day. Now, there's not a strict definition of what the most Alabama stories of the day are, but you know them when you see them. So y'all come on by and give us a listen. And bring a sense of humor, because we take the news seriously, but not ourselves. The show is called Down in Alabama, and we're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. We believe in Tuscaloosa. We believe we're going to come out the other end of this, and that's why we're doing this now. I've had a lot of people going, okay, you just closed this restaurant. You're about to open another one, so we're the fools in the middle of the pandemic opening a restaurant. <laughs> but, but Today we hear from Bill Lloyd, a local businessman who has owned bars and restaurants in Tuscaloosa, including Will Hagen's Grill and Tap Room, Green Bar, and 301 Bistro Bar and Beer Garden, the latter of which closed permanently in March after five years in business. Back when Lloyd closed 301 Bistro, a fine dining restaurant inside the historic LNN train station on the hill of Greensboro Avenue in downtown Tuscaloosa, he said, quote, There is a great deal of uncertainty in the future of the restaurant business, in that his market segment of upscale full service is the most uncertain of all. Lloyd said that 301's upscale model wasn't conducive to a curbside operation, so they had to close. But at last week's Tuscaloosa City Council meeting, Lloyd appeared to announce that he and Brandon Hanks, owner of the Booth Bar in downtown Tuscaloosa, will partner to open a new restaurant in the same space that 301 Bistro previously occupied. The new restaurant will be called Druid City Social, and the tentative plan is to open in late August 2020, if they can get all the logistical ducks in a row. I spoke to Bill Lloyd about closing one restaurant because of COVID-19 and opening another one not long after. The difficulty for restaurants to make money during a pandemic and what he considers the biggest challenges facing the industry during this crisis. My name's Bill Lloyd. I'm from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and I'm in the um, restaurant bar business. have been for over 20 years here in Tuscaloosa. Back when you closed 301 Bistro in March and it was announced in May that it would not reopen, you said that there was a great deal of uncertainty in the future of the restaurant business and that your market segment of upscale full service is the most uncertain of all. What do you mean by that? Why is it the most uncertain? Well, you have in, in, in fine dining a, a couple of things. One, you have... A, you have fewer fewer guests, and it's also much more of a, a touch service. So you're really taking care of the guests. You're 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 pre-bussing. You're refilling waters. You're a lot of lot of touching. A lot of real personal service. And obviously, with COVID, the type of service you 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 should get is absolutely the opposite of that. And you're in fine dining. It's it's more course and course based. So you you've got these plates coming in, those plates coming out different types of condiments, just from the service standpoint. And also, fine dining tends to be a little bit older clientele in general. 
which is the decline that has the most at risk for COVID, as that has turned out. And um, so I, I just think once we shut down in March, our particular menu and most fine dining menus are not suited for to-go food either. So the, the curbside to-go, unless you really changed almost your entire menu, which, which some people did, and then it made it much, much more difficult to be able to transition into that type of a business model. And so when the pandemic hit and when basically the writing was on the wall that for restaurants to stay open, they're going to have to switch to this curbside model. Was that when you knew that 301 was in trouble or were there more signs than that? No, absolutely. No, particularly in 301 as a particular case. We are in a college town, and when we shut down on the 17th of March, I knew we were not going to be able to do to-go. It just was not going to be feasible. I, I didn't feel with with our menu and, and the, the competition, and people are already, restaurants are already geared for that type, type of service, and I just didn't think it was going to work. And in this town, spring is always the best. People think about fall for football season, but our numbers, the, the 20 years at Will Higgins and here, are better in the spring than they are in the fall. And then the summer, you just you make your money in the spring to survive the summer, survive a normal summer, which this certainly is not. So once we got in, into May and it was obvious that things weren't going to turn around quickly, I was really looking at six or seven months of just really very, very little income and a lot of money going out. And it just it just made no sense whatsoever to, to, to try to try to survive and, and pump that much money into it. When you say a lot of money going out, for people who don't have the most nuanced understanding of the restaurant business and, and owning and running a restaurant, what do you mean and, and where is that money going when it's going out? Well, it's a combination. The, the margins aren't what people would think in, in restaurant business. So you, you live off of cash flow. And so the, the, the sales you have tonight, you're paying bills for maybe 30 days ago. So whether it's food, whether it's utilities, whether it's rent, whether it's, it's, it's your payroll, obviously, is, is what you're doing right now. And, and tax structure, you're, you're, making, you're paying your sales taxes on the 20th of this month for what you sold last month. So even when you shut down today, you've got all those, those bills that are going to come to be paid, and you have no cash flow. You have no income. So you still have to pay your rent. If the building shut down, you're in Alabama, you're still having to air condition it. You, you still have... All, all your basic basic utilities, your insurance, which is extremely high in, in restaurant and, and particularly with alcohol sales, it's, it's a huge chunk. And all those all those bills stay the same. And so, if you have no cash flow, then if if you've not built up a, a large reservoir of, of money, then where do you pay those bills from? And that's that's kind of the, the bottom line on that. You also said when you made that 301 announcement that after working restaurant hours for more than 30 years, it was time for you to make a transition. But here you are again. And at the city council meeting in Tuscaloosa, when you basically announced that you're opening a new restaurant, first thing I wondered is what changed those plans? I was planning to really, I was going to go ahead and, and retire and, and just liquidate things here at, at 301. But with all the restaurant closings, I mean, restaurant equipment is, is priced real low. I mean, you can't get much money for it. 
and Brandon Hanks, who owns the booth, had been looking for an, for another uh, another location and um, to, to do some different things and expand a little bit. And so he came to me, and, and or we we got to talking about it. And so with my with my expertise and everything I had set up here, we just decided to go in a partnership. And I'm I'm as we go along, once we get open, I'm going to be more of a, a consultant based partner rather than a day to day operations partner. So I will not be putting in the restaurant hours that I, I've put in for so many years. Still have my hands in things, and this this particular business gets in your blood anyway. And um, so I'll, I'll still be in in the restaurant business, but I will not be working those crazy hours like you have to. So I won't be the day day to day guy. Brandon will be handling that. Well, opening a new restaurant seems like such a risky and even scary thing to do, even when there isn't a global pandemic happening. But that's the unfortunate reality that we're living in. Where do you find the confidence to make it work now during such an uncertain time? I, I think our our concept is going to be a, a little bit different. It's obviously, from 301, it's going to be more gastropub type food, which is you know upscale versions of classic pub food. With this location, with the beer garden and the large green space we have outside, we have a lot of area that we can social distance. And then with Brandon from with, from the booth, and he's done a, a lot of a lot of events over the years with with a lot of student groups. And I think the student population is still going to be here. And if you go around and look at the restaurants and bars right now as the students have come back into town, and I think that market segment is going to, going to still be there. Whether the university decides to go online or not, those students are still going to be here. And so I think we're going to um, really go after, especially later on in the evening, once the, the hours change a little bit, I think that'll be much more of our, our market share. But at the same time, earlier, we're going to have good food, and I think we'll be a good spot for that 25 to 40-year-old range that, that always say they don't have any place to go in Tuscaloosa because we will have some live entertainment and a lot, a lot of other things going on. We've been added some TVs and stuff, and it'd be nice if we have some sports to put on them eventually. But but I, I think that's the deal. I, I don't think in in general – I'm probably a little pessimistic on, on the restaurant business if we don't come out of this, but in this particular concept in this particular town and with the resources that, that we're looking at, that gave me confidence to, to go ahead and, and stay in this venture. You took care of your staff in transition after the shutdown, helped them collect unemployment, as you mentioned, with the city council. And you're, you said you're bringing back several folks from the kitchen and the service staffs for the new place. There must be a mix of excitement to get back in there and get back to work, but I would also imagine that it's being met with a little bit of trepidation just about how the pandemic impacts restaurants, including one that y'all just had to close this year. Oh, certainly. certainly. There's, there's no doubt about that. And Brandon is, is hiring a lot, of, a lot of the folks, serving staff, bar staff. I, I brought back a, a few key people from 301 that I that would I think mess with the new concept pretty well. But then you know there was a lot of sadness in, in shutting down 301 from the, from the community and obviously from from my wife and I who you know she did all this artwork and antiques and all the things that we had in here and it was a sad day when we started moving all that out of here because obviously it's going to be a different feel in, inside the building. But, you know, it got to the point where folks are going to need to go back to work. And um, I was fortunate that we 
I did take care of everyone with with the unemployment. I filed for most of them for quite some time, and then when we made the final decision to um, that we were not going to reopen, help them with the transition to individually getting their unemployment, and so that part was good. But there, you know, there was a lot of sadness from the community and people that are going to miss 301. But I, I think they're also going to enjoy this. The venue is, is still really good. It's, it's got a great feel. We're, we're doing some different things to it. But I'm, I really feel positive in that, that we're going to come out on, the, on the, the right end of this thing eventually. The 9 to 11, where we close at 11 o'clock, it would significantly impact our business. Restaurants and bars have a break-even point that's, that's up there. And so to, to cut us by 20% means going from being profitable to being unprofitable. I'm just honest. And so we make money in numbers and if we don't have those numbers we don't pay our bills and this lively atmosphere that we have downtown you're going to see more empty storefronts you're going to see other people struggle to pay their bills if we have more restrictions than than what already exists during the same city council meeting where you announced these plans another local restaurant owner craig williams who owns avenue pub in central mesa he sort of pleaded with the council to refrain from implementing any more guidelines on bars and restaurants he said that for his and other businesses who are adhering to those already in place any more restrictions would be highly detrimental to business do you agree with that and perhaps even more broadly, I mean, I assume the answer here is yes, because you're opening a restaurant. Is it feasible for restaurants to turn a profit during a pandemic? I, I completely agree with Craig. It's very difficult for a restaurant to survive during a pandemic. You, you have to kind of move your model to, to what's going to work, minimize your overhead as, as much as you can. But with the evening and the hourly restrictions, it makes it tough, particularly if, if you're counting on on late night business if you're in a college town like we are where the where the students don't even come out till 11 o'clock at night but now you're having to close at 11 o'clock at night that changes a lot of the numbers for you it really does but you know it's not as as bad a position as i've got a will higgins in nashville and we've been shut down since the third of july and that's through the 16th of august unless they unless they extend it and that's six weeks basically being completely closed with the exception of they let curbside start on the first of august and so people are just really dying up there literally their businesses are and any further restrictions here would certainly have that same sort of effect i completely agree with what craig said and and i was glad that the mayor did come back with you know a a compromise to not shut the bars down at nine o'clock because that would really be a, a death nail for some of them and i mentioned earlier about those of us obviously who don't work in the industry and and have, again, less of a sort of nuanced understanding of it. What are people outside of this industry maybe failing to consider about what restaurants are going through right now? I think people underestimate the amount that it costs to run a restaurant the amount, as far as labor and food cost and, and insurance and rent and utilities, all, all the numbers. I think people 
have an idea that you've got a full restaurant, so you're just making tons of money. Whereas I think I think the the average full service restaurant brings about four percent to the bottom line, and that and then you've got to turn a lot of volume to make four percent make a living for you. And people see the, the oh yeah, they're, it's a packed restaurant. They're just just making hand money hand over fist, and it's not that way. It's a whole lot of Peter and pays Paul back back and forth. You know, it comes in in here and it's going right back out the next day, and you're hoping you get a little bit in between there. And then when you you reduce to half or 25% of the um, capacity in the restaurant, then that margin just completely goes away. And I'm, I think that's the biggest thing that, that people don't understand is the number of people it takes to, to run a restaurant and the amount of money it does and, and the limited bottom line that's there. And then the, the trickle-down effect. It just It's not only the, the servers, the bartenders, the kitchen people. Then it goes to the people that are sell, selling you your food, the people that are doing your linens for you, then just right down the line. And it just it affects a lot of people, but it's just people think you make so much more money at a restaurant than you actually do. And that's why you have owner-operators that work 70 and 80, hour, 80 hours a week instead of handing it off and sitting sitting back fat and happy. What's the biggest question you have about the industry as it relates to COVID right now? And I guess along the same lines, what do you see as the biggest challenge for a new restaurant? As far as the general restaurant industry, it is trying to get public health better, get the numbers going in the right direction People follow the guidelines, do what they're supposed to do, so then the restaurants can open back up at larger capacity. That's what needs to happen. And the longer this goes on, and as PPP money runs out or if they got a disaster loan, it runs out, there is no income. I mean, it has been a bridge for a lot of folks, but as that's gone, there's no more bridge. And if you can't get people coming back in and pick the volume back up, you can only cut staff to a certain point. And if there's no volume there, you're done. You know, and people talk about, well, you know, the landlords need to give them a break on the rent. Well, as soon as the the bank gives the landlord a break on that mortgage that the rent is covering, then maybe he can do that. But that goes back to the whole trickle along thing. And as far as opening a new restaurant, and there have been several that have opened recently here in Tuscaloosa. I, I think you just have to be extremely careful on what you've got for upfront costs and operating capital to get started because that's that's one thing fortunately we were in pretty good shape here as as far as not having to go out and furnish a new restaurant with equipment and furniture etc so it's rather ours, ours more decor based but really know what what you've got what you're going to need for operating capital and a realistic idea of what you're going to need for cash flow in order to break even until this thing goes away in which none of us really know where it is. But I, I think knowing your market, knowing your cash flow and really paying attention to your numbers on the front end will give you your best shot at success. Bill, thank you very much and best of luck to you. All right. Thank you very much. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, 
visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.